what I did get him is this called the Daniel uh, Ricardo. I don't know if you guys heard of him. He's a, a real good driver, and he drives for the McLaren. Uh, that's his model car that he drives. So I got that model, the 2021 McLaren model, and so this one cost uh, $1,175. Now, look, look, so my wife was looking at me. She's kind of like, okay. And so, like, I'm like, the thing is, is she's, she's trying to, like, mind you, last week she's getting gifts for everyone. And I'm, I had to tell her, I'm like, listen, we're not getting gifts for people who have not done anything, checked in on us, sent any well wishes to us, no. But our, our mentor has poured in so much in our life, he's changed our life to where we're now, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and give them something like that. Now, the thing is, though, I say that is because when I'm getting them the gift, like if, if my whole goal now, like I got certain individuals now that I'm thinking strategically what type of gift. And I know he watches the racing. He watches the F1. He can't. He's not buying a car right now. So I'm like, what is the best thing other than buying a car? I'm going to actually get him a car. Now, he owns jets, so he has a lot of model jets in his office, like the real model. So I'm like, okay, cool. If he wants to get one of those cars, I'll be the first to give him the car, just a replica. So now I'm not getting him that with anything in mind. I don't know if that's that's not going to get me anything. He's not going to give me a million dollars for it. But that is just sowing into that. that's something that's going to show that, hey, all mentees are taking, right? We're all paying him money, but we're taking knowledge. I'll be that one mentee that I guarantee you, when he look back, he's going to look at that replica car, and he's going to remember Mike. So when another opportunity comes, remember I was telling them business deals, when another one of those deals come. Guarantee he's going to be calling Mike Azul. He's going to be like, hey, we'll be the number one. So I just wanted to show you I was looking at that because it just said uh, it was shipped out. So, And now we didn't even tell him, too. It's just, so now this is, the, this is going to be the funny part because he doesn't know, like, he didn't give us his address. But come on, now, I'm in real estate. I'm going to find you. If you hear this, Dr. Graydon, I found you. And so I sent it to his address. I found his address, and I sent it to him, and I wanted it to arrive where it's like I wanted his wife or him to pick up. Like, who is this? Look at him like, honey, someone has sent you a, and he's going to know what car it is because it has all the logos. And if you look at these, these are million-dollar cars. These sponsorships you're talking about, if you look at these cars, you got Home Depot, you got Microsoft, you got Dell. Um, these are all sponsors of these cars. You don't even have these type of sponsorships in the NFL, NBA, but these cars, are these are million-dollar cars for multi-million-dollar racers, for billion-dollar races and, and a billion-dollar network, so... You know, just letting y'all know if y'all got if y'all working on some type of business, if y'all trying to close a deal, like just take an invested interest into the person you're trying to close. Know a little bit more about that person. You know, that's just my personal opinion. You know, just give y'all some game. You know, I didn't even mean to start talking, but I I seriously saw that thing pop up because I'm waiting for him to get it because I know it because he's like the type. What do you get someone who has everything? Who has a Rolls Royce? Who has a Sprinter? Who has a a nice house? Who ha, who has all the watches? It's like, hmm. You gotta listen to them and hear what they really want. That's the same thing when we closing these deals. That's why I close more deals than anyone because I listen to what you want. I I know what I want at the end of the day. Now, if I can get you what you want, I'm damn sure gonna get what I want. But first, we gotta know who got the plan. I'm gonna make sure you get what you want. So, watch when he. I can't wait to see his reaction when he get it. He gonna call me. Watch. I already know it. Are we already started? Well, man, I didn't even know we already started. We'll be back with another episode of the pod. Um, I, I thank you for you guys who are listening and for you guys who are not listening. Um, I thank you guys for tuning in. Go ahead and share this if you're not sharing it. Um, 
So we ended kind of the, uh, last week. We were talking a little bit about me, getting to know a little bit more about me. Um, and so as you guys know, uh, I talked to you about my childhood. Uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur, and I own three businesses. One is dealing with rental cars. Uh, the second is going to be dealing with the freight brokership. And the third is going to be dealing with uh, debt relief, more so debt settlement, uh, financial coaching. And um, just just speaking of kind of how I got into these businesses, I guess let's just speak about getting into the world of entrepreneurship. And so I watch so many podcasts, so much uh, content. You guys probably do the same of everyone talking about, hey, set up an LLC and go to the bank and, and get the line of credit and get a loan and go do that. And to be honest, you know, I, I feel like some of that is just bullshit because if you come from where I come from, where I, I know majority of people come from that's going to be listening to this, um, no one's told you to be an owner of anything. And so in your mind, you haven't always said, hey, I just want to own something. And for me personally, uh, like I said, I, I, I always was a hard worker. The, the one thing that I know I always remember about my father um, growing up, he always used to tell me to just be a leader. And I took that to heart. And he really, like, like that was instilled in me. Um, and so it was instilled in me so much that certain things that other people would do, I would make sure I do the opposite. And sometimes it served me good, sometimes, uh, but more so times than none, now it served me well. And so when I say be a leader, I never was a follower. I never had to go to parties. I never was that guy who had to, uh, I had sex. My first time having sex was senior year. I lost my dream senior year, point blank period. I started smoking weed senior year in college. I, like, whatever y'all did, whatever they did, I, I it, it didn't affect me because I always was taught to be a leader. And so that was instilled in me. Uh, even hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. I remember my dad at times uh, during the summer, a funny story, during the summer, this always used to happen. I would say it would be about 9, 10 o'clock. Uh, this is from freshman year all the way up until um, – senior year, and this is if I'm home from summer because I used to play basketball. Um, but my mom and dad used to get up and get up and go to work, and they'll be working. Um, and I would get a call from him, and he'd be waking me up. And, of course, I'd be asleep. It'd be 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and he'd just say, hey, you still sleeping? And I'd be like, yeah. And he'd be like, there's something for you to do. He literally calling me from work to tell me there's something for me to do, and he would tell me, you're a grown-ass man. You bigger than me. I'm taller than him. You bigger than me, and you sleep until nine or ten o'clock in my house, and so and I'm saying it, I'm saying it harsher, but he will always just call me and wake me up and say there's something to do, and and that that, that I always had that instilled in me, hard work, and I'm a leader, and I guess if you put those two together, you know you got me. Ain't no one gonna influence me to do anything except if I want to do that, you know. So I grew up more times than none, um, being the leader. Um, people followed me. And, you know, coming to it now, you know, that's one thing that I can be thankful for just from my father. You know, I talk about certain things that I did not have, you know, that I, you know, um, certain certain mindsets, uh, uh, mindsets that I was instilled in growing up. Uh, but this was something great that my father instilled in me was just, you know, be a leader, uh, work hard. But uh, going back to it, um, speaking about just businesses and how I got into the world of entrepreneurship, you know, everyone acts as if they were just always going to be, hey, I was always going to be the boss, and I was always going to own something. Now, like I said, that's bullshit. The way I got into it was because I, I just wanted one thing. I wanted control. I wanted, I wanted, you could say two things. I wanted control. I wanted freedom. 
Um, I got a good story here, y'all. So y'all gonna have to bear with me here while I tell this story. All right. So, um, I was I used to play basketball in college, and I broke my ankle. And so when I broke my ankle, I had to come. I had a decision to come back home and rehab or stay at school. And so I decided. Um, this is some business calling right now. So, but I decided to go home and to rehab, and and just rehabbing at home. Uh, I ended up getting bills. I got a car. And so coming back after I broke my ankle, it wasn't the same. Uh, of course, I had a, I had car notes. I had a bill. And so when I ended up coming back home, it was like real life had hit, right? And I had to do something. And all my life, like I told you, my identity was basketball. I still worked fucking hard, you know, and I still was a leader. I did what I wanted to do. But what I wanted to do and what I knew was basketball. That's the only thing. And it was good. It was great because – Everyone in my corner, my family always supported me in that. But I didn't have any other ideas of what I wanted to do. And so once basketball was taken away from me, all I became was a good worker. I was a great worker. And I remember it like it was yesterday. As soon as I came home, um, I got hired at my mom's job. And once I got hired at my mom's job, I literally thought to myself, and I said, man, I'm about to make it. When I say I'm about to make it, my mom and dad took care of me. I'm a good guy. I had clothes on my back. You don't realize what you didn't have until you, your eyes are open. So I'm like, man, I'm about to make it. And, and I'm like, all I got to do is move up. And I remember that I got hired at a temp agency, Randstad. If you guys don't know it, I think they're still around. Randstad. And my mindset was if you put me in front of whoever's interviewing me, I'm always going to get the job. I'm always going to get the job. Why? Because I can talk my way into getting the job, even if I don't know it. You know, I can sell a beach, I, I can sell a beach a bag of sand straight up. And so – I did get the job. They hire you temporarily, and then they offer you, you know, they offer the good people, the great people who, you know, do their thing in full-time position. Come on. I got offered the full-time position. Now, at the time, I had a roommate. So so let me let me slow it down a little bit. So I came back home. I was living with my mom and dad for just a tad bit, got hired with my mom's job, and as soon as I got hired, I moved out. I moved out with uh, someone, now a great friend, but – it was someone that I didn't even know. It was just a cool dude that I seen at Seminole State. This is one of the local community colleges. Just walking around, and we just start talking and going to parties. And we're like, hey, you want to get a room together? Yeah. And literally, we moved out together. Don't even have any financial backing. Just got hired at my mom's job. And so now I understand life is hitting me. I'm on food stamps. You know, this is a couple months, but I'm on food stamps. My mom's job is not enough. I still want to go out to the club and I can't go out to the club and barely buy a couple of drinks, let alone buy a couple of drinks for some girls and then pay the rent and then pay all the, the cell phone bills. So life is hitting me. Wow. The whole time, my roommate at the time, I ain't going to reveal his name just yet until we bring him onto this, this podcast. He's going to be on here too. But my roommate at the time, he was working selling uh, Verizon wireless cell phones locally, right? And he was making about $1,000 a week. I'm over here scrambling for four or $500. They scrambling for that. And so it was like literally like if y'all seen the Wolf of Wall Street when a buddy told him to show me a couple checks in a row and I'll quit my job. It was literally like that. I said, hey, show me another check of a thousand plus dollars. I'm quitting my mom's job. That, and, and mind you, that was a big step. I'm on my way to get benefits, insurance. I just got hired full time. My mom works there. She put in the word for me. And I'm talking about quitting for a sales job. And so he showed me the second thousand dollar paycheck plus a week. And I said, I was out. I was out. And so the minute I hit that sales floor, I started to find who I was. I started to find that uh, sales was, my, was, was something that I was great at. Uh, and not just selling, just communicating with people. 
You know, if I believed in the product, I can sell it. I can get you to buy it. You know, and it wasn't even getting you to buy it. I would just tell you about the product. We have a great conversation, and you're going to end up buying, buying something from me. And so that was really opened my mind as to uh, a different way of getting paid. Because if you think about it, when you're working a W-2, you're getting paid a salary. When I started working the sales job, I was on commission, and I realized, man, with the commission, I got no cap. I don't have to request overtime. No, just as amount of, if I'm on a hot week, I can make $5,000. And at that point, I just started touching $1,000. This is, this is back in like 2013, 2012. And so as I started to sell, another, I would say, blessing slash curse started to get in the way. Me, my personality. Um, I'm a natural leader, right? Like I told you. And so that particular sales job, we started to have issues where the, the management would change the pay scale at, in the middle of the week, not the end of the week. If, the, if you change at the end of the week after I got paid and you said this was going to happen next month or next week, we would be fine with that. But they changed it in the middle of the week. And I remember it like they changed it. They made an announcement and changed it. And I watched everyone. Everyone just said they just like going to take that. And me, I was pissed. I'm already broke because I'm blowing all my money. And I had plans for that money before I even had it in my pocket. So that was the number one issue. But number two was, you just did me and this whole entire team dirty. And so if no one else is going to step up, you know I'm going to step up. Why? Because, again, I'm the leader. I take it seriously, too. I'm Michael. I'm the archangel. So I'm in front of the line. I'm the front line. I'm here to defend everyone, right? I'm here. And that, that's another thing for me. I, I, I take it personally. If I see someone doing wrong, if I see someone getting bullied, I'm a bully to bully. I don't care what happens. I'm a bully to bully. And so... The bully was bullying my team. And so what did I do? I got a petition together that same day, had everyone sign it, and I presented it to the management and said, hey, we don't want the pay scale change. Guess what happened? Mike's stuff is out. Everyone else is staying. Everyone signed the petition stays, but guess what? The leader that they know had the voice is out. And so um, that turned out to be a blessing because at the time I had a group of, I had a group of guys that I always chill with, some great group of guys that I, I still talk to to this day. I got to talk to more, but... We always used to play 2K together. We used to smoke and play 2K. And and um, my guy Ness, my guy Ness, uh, always, we would always play 2K together. And when I got fired, I remember that day, man, I came home. They, they I, I came in, in the office that morning. They said, oh, you're done. Came back to the house uh, that the group of guys was at, and we were playing 2K. And I remember my guy Ness said, man, you sound good, man. You talk pretty well, man. My, my cousin is the owner of this call center, and, man, you probably made some great money working for us. And, and so, mind you, he's al- I always seen Ness, you know, making some moves with his cousin. But this job was all commission. I, I was on a commission job, but I also had a little base. So this was a totally different ball game. Now I had to bet on myself. But at that point, I'm like, shoot. I, and, and mind you, I'm still living with my mom and dad. I haven't even told them I got fired yet, right? And so I said, shoot, okay, I'm going to go ahead and start working there. And so I, I, I started working at a job that was – Straight commission. Um, I told my mom and dad that I quit the job that I was at. Didn't quit the job that I was at. And, and I'm working at a new job. And when the minute I walked in that door, I realized something was fucking different. Now, I don't know if you guys seen The Wolf of Wall Street, but this was literally the epitome of The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, you could see guys with goals in their mouth, chains on. No one's dressed accordingly. Mind you, the jobs that I was at before, you would have to dress some type of business casual, collar shirt, something. This job, you can have anything on. You smoking in the background. They, they selling weed. They smoking it in the back. I'm like, where am I at? But I'm here to make money. 
And so, you know, the first week was was a little bit rough. And I remember it, it was a Saturday. Had no gas in the car, no gas at all, no money in my pocket. But they said, hey, man, this job offers cash on Saturdays. And I'm like, okay. Now, mind you, I ain't got no deal the, the entire week. I'm still learning, going through training. But they said, hey, you can get half of what your commission is up front in cash that day, as long as the sale goes through verification. I'm like, okay. I show up that day, cash Saturday, and I if I show up on E, meaning that I can't even leave the parking lot, I can't even get home without putting some gas in the damn car. And I, I, I don't know why I just had a feeling that it was – I needed to. I need to go home. I need to go in that office and make some fucking money. And that day changed my my entire life because I made four hundred dollars that day cash. And I walked out and I didn't just have enough gas money. I had a little. I thought I had a little ball of money and I felt good. And I realized like, man, like one, not just commission, not just commission mixed with the the salary. Straight commission was where it's at because I had no cap. But this particular industry was the industry that. Really got me started. It was financial coaching. It was kind of like Dave Ramsey on steroids. Uh, our, the entire goal of, of it, uh, the program was to help people get out of credit card debt. Um, we charge you a good fee for it, but we're going to help you get out of the debt. Um, and, and long story short, just embedding myself in that industry, I became real good. And I started to move up. Uh, naturally, I became the manager and started to help, um, you know, uh, that, that owner of that office started to open up other offices. And um, you know, that, that was a real wolf on Wall Street type of environment. There was times where there'd be fights, people didn't get paid. So if you didn't get paid, you will basically kick the whole motherfucking office down. You would take the pictures, you would take the phones, you would take the seats, the chairs, the computers, anything you could. And I've seen I've seen it happen literally. I've seen guys in that and, and we I don't know how vulgar y'all want to get in this podcast, but I'm just gonna be real. I've sat at my desk, I've seen guys do Molly, I've seen guys break up weed, roll up weed. All at the desk before they answer the phone and say, with a smile. And I would say, I kind of loved it. I loved it in a way, if that's kind of weird. because it uh, Not because of the, that, the drugs and all that, but because it gave me a very thick shell. Um, nothing could bother me. I was there for one, one thing and one thing only, which was to make money. And from that, I learned an industry that gave me the opportunity, which was helping people get out of debt, specifically credit card debt. And so in that industry, again, I became known and I started to get promoted and, and become a manager and a closer at different offices. And I, I, I came at one particular office and um, remember coming to that office, uh, you know, that was the office that I met my wife at. And uh, my wife, she was one of the top sales agents while I was a manager. And, and I can get off on a tangent on just talking about my wife and, and, and why it was her, but she was just fucking kicking ass. She was a top sales agent. She had a, like a, she had a, a, uh, like I used to say she was mean point blank period. And I, and I loved it because no guy could just talk to her like other women, other women would, you know, be flirting, but she would have that mean thing. You know, she wouldn't want to talk to you. She was just there to make money. And that was attractive to me. Um, but I remember it um, because she was, you know, we became boyfriend and girlfriend and uh, that office that I was particularly at, that last office, we ended up getting fired. And the story was, while I was working at that office, the ownership always had friends, other business colleagues come into the office, right? Naturally, they would know who the top dog is in the office. 
And so it was this one set, uh, a group of friends that came into the office. I actually got a chance to talk to them because I knew, I knew one of the friends of the owners. So we had the owner of the company that I worked for. He had a group of uh, uh, two friends come over. I knew one of the friends just, just from high school. And so from that relationship, I ended up getting contacted and saying, hey, you know, this person doesn't know this, but we want to set up an office and we want you to run it. We got all the money. We just need your knowledge. And that was the first time I've always, I always would bet on myself. I always had confidence in myself, but my, my, my thought of myself, I guess how big I thought I could do it was just management type. I never thought about owning anything until they called me and gave me the opportunity. And, and even then give me the opportunity, just the story. I didn't even still believe myself. They, gave, they, they met at my, my, my apartment, uh, my townhome. I was living in Baldwin Park. Mind you, I, I was living in Baldwin Park. Everyone was living in 55 West. Um, at the time, I think 55 West was the hot point, and I, wanted to, I didn't want to be like everyone, so I chose Baldwin Park. And so I'm living in Baldwin Park, very nice area here in Orlando. And um, they came in, and they met with me, and they talked about how much money they were going to give me. I think it was like 30000 40000 And at that time, I'm like, you going to invest that into me? I'm just a closer for this guy's company. And so uh, from then on, I said, okay, cool, I'm in. But I was so nervous, I still wasn't able to bet on myself. So instead of just saying, hey, I'm ready to go all in, what I did is I negotiated a deal with the mentor who taught me how to sell in this industry. And I said, hey, I got an opportunity. I want you to be the manager and lead it. I'm going to still work for this guy, but then after hours, I'm going to come in and put work here. So basically, I was trying to put – I was trying to put my feet, I was trying to work here and still own my own business. And so um, the crazy part about it is I made that decision. I brought my, my uh, mentor in that particular realm who taught me the sales in that industry. Uh, I brought him in, and we were setting up the business, and I sat down with uh, the owner of the company I was working for, and I told both of them what the plans were. And I offered them 50% of the company. That's, that's fucking crazy now that I think about it, but I offered them 50% to do nothing. Because I was so nervous, I told him, hey, I'm going to still work for you. I'm going to offer you 50%. I just want you to give me the knowledge, if help if I need it. Merchant accounts, whatever I need to be able to process transactions, be able to uh, um, make money, uh, leads, anything. And they willingly agreed to that. Duh, who's not going to agree to that? They don't got to put no money up, just, you know, uh, mental mental equity. Come on. And so, um, mind you, just just – Taking a step, just thinking about that, I was so nervous to bet on myself that I was going to give someone 50% of my company and, and ask for nothing from them. No money, no help, just all off the strength of me because I was nervous to bet on myself. But I had other people willing to bet on me and believe in me. And so uh, I told them that, and I felt like it was a Friday. Don't quote me on this, but it was like, I think it was a Friday because I remember it. I was so happy over the weekend. I'm thinking, okay, we're about to get it going. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I, on that Monday, I came in, and my stuff was in the front. Mind you, this is a reoccurring trend. Every time I come in in the morning, my stuff is in the front. So then my stuff is in the front, but not just my stuff. Guess whose stuff is in front with me? My wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, her stuff was in the front. Why? Because she was associated with me. So it didn't just hurt that I got let go from a job that – I was dominating in, but I got someone else mixed in to meet my mess. And so the uncertainty, all that, it was like, man, I just told you guys 
about this and you change your mind, they literally said, nope, you guys competition. Here's your stuff in the front. You're out of here. And so, mind you, we still had everything going on with the, the people, those guys who wanted to invest with me, right? We still had that office going. It was a very small office. We had a small group. My mentor was working it. But it wasn't profitable just yet, and it was still coming off the ground. And so that, that, that month was a crazy month for us because we got fired, and literally, like, for the next one or two weeks, we, me and my wife, we binge-watched American Horror Story. True story. Um, when I met my wife, I actually started to save money because I didn't blow it on random bottles and females downtown. It was blown on her, and we're going out and, and buying bottles. Um, and so we had some money saved. She was my girlfriend at the time, but we had some money saved. We had shoebox money, let's just say. And so that shoebox money kept us good, but we knew we were good. So we weren't really, we didn't feel a, a, a pressure. Like when you get fired, we didn't feel pressure. And I'm going somewhere with this. Um, we, we didn't feel pressure. Um, and this is the part. Everyone believes that when you become an entrepreneur, it's because you just say, hey, man, I'm ready to make the money. Well, that day we just said, hey, we're not going to go and work for anyone. We're not going to go back to anyone in this industry and say, can I work for your office? We're going to make this work. Why? Because this industry, sometimes they end up don't paying us because the, the managers mismanage their money. We end up not getting paid. Uh, the fights, um, just them firing us because we're competition. We didn't have any control. So that was our choice. We decided not to go back because we wanted control, and we felt like we can do it better than the ownership. Nine times out of ten, any job that I worked at, I knew I could do it better than the people over me. They just knew how to run the systems. And if I could learn the systems over a day or two, I'd be great. And so that that point, after we binge watch American Horror Story, we decided that we were no longer going to work for someone else. I guess that's the, that's the day we decided to fire corporate. We decided, hey, we're going to be our own boss. We're going to get it out the mud. And... Um, I mean, you fast forward to the day. That was back in 2015. You fast forward to the day. It's 2022 now. December, I think December 3rd, December 2nd. And me and my wife, we now have, we now are, I'm the CEO. She's the CFO of MZM Transports and MZM Coaching Services. And she's my rock. She runs everything with our freight broker, uh, brokerage. And it, it started just with that moment from both of us getting fired. And so when you guys think about it, when you're looking out online and everyone's telling you what you got to do, what you should do, just realize, me, I didn't start that way. I started because I just wanted to control it. I'm going to let y'all know, when you first start uh, the, the, the road to entrepreneurship or open up your small business, this shit ain't sweet. You think you're going to make all the money and you're going to work less? No, you're going to work more hours and you're going uh, gonna to work more hours and make less money. But the difference is you control it. If you were sick, that one day, you can decide, I'm going to be sick. No one's going to ask you when you're coming back in. Do you got a doctor's note? That, all that, that mental stress that you get taken away allows you to create and be the best version of yourself. And from me getting fired, I started to become the best version of myself. Because I tell you one thing I realized. I don't, like, I don't like listening to rules. I'll bend the rules. I won't break them. I'll bend them as much as I can, and I'll make the rules. When you own something, you make the fucking rules. So if my daughter, my son, he had basketball practice, she has ballet, gymnastics, and I have to take off, I don't have to say, hey, there's a project, and I got to stay late, and I'm scheduled for the night shift. I ain't scheduled for no night shift. I, I host the night shift, okay? But the thing is, is that I don't want to sound cocky, but it is fucking cockiness because I decided it was a risk that I took. 
That month, it was a risk. We had shoebox money. We probably had about thirty, forty thousand dollars between both of us. That only was gonna let us go for a couple months. The way I was partying, going out to clubs, smoking, drinking, the way I was doing that back then. Oh, oh, oh y- y'all don't know. I'm drinking some Migos right now. This is Migos Mike. Back in the, I'm gonna tell y'all a story. Back in the day, I used to be. There was a club called Uno in, in Orlando. Uno is down now, but there was a club called Uno. Y'all see, uh, it's uh, because it, I don't go downtown anymore like that. But there's a Taco Bell. They call it a cantina now. Back then, it wasn't. It was. It wasn't that Taco Bell. It was another like a, a Chinese store right next to it was Uno. Uno was my spot. Black bottles, Bel Air boys. It's my spot. How we turned up different. Like I said, I do everything different. Everyone coming in the streetwear. Me and my boy, my roommate at the time. You know, we came in. We came in, in suit and ties. We came in in ties. You know, we came in and we was throwing money. We we throwing bottles. One of the things they know I was known for. I would go on Uno at the end of the night. I would take the whole. Uh, black bottle rose out, pour it on my head. I would take up my take off my my, my shirt. I would have a uh, a dress shirt. On. I would bust that bitch open. I'll be outside, no shirt on, with slacks on, dress shoes on, dress socks on. But they but that that was me back in the day. I, I remember dropping hundred dollar bills and and having fun watching people go to grab for it. What what stupidity was that? But back in the day, yes, I blew. That's where I was blowing all my money. And so fast forward, and if you think about it, that little thirty, forty thousand dollars that we had saved, that wasn't gonna take us far the way I was spending it. That that I we I, I was that, and I know a lot of you still do it now. I was that dummy who would have all his life savings in his back pocket, and if you was to jump me that night, I would have to lose it all. Now I know some of y'all come in, oh, throwing all the showing all the money. You know that's that's all the money you got in your life savings, and if you know if you just if you was to fall asleep and, and lose it, you are done. And that's how that's how I was living my life. And so we luckily, because of my, my wife, my girlfriend at the time, I had a little money saved. And we decided to start that business. We bet on ourselves. We said, hey, we are not going to work for anyone else. Why? Because we just we wanted the control. We got tired. We knew we were the best sales agents, but they still wanted us there at 9, 10 o'clock. They wanted us to stay there until 6. Me and my wife, when we used to work, uh, the last office, the office that we got fired at, and I kid you not, we would show up. I would have sangria in the morning. Sangria from Publix. Baldwin Park had a Publix. I would buy the bottle of sangria. I'll pour up. Before I eat breakfast, I'm drinking sangria. I get to the office. When I get to the office, I'm going to bust my ass and work. You don't got to ask if I'm going to bust my I'm on commission. That's the best thing about commission, y'all. It's no safety net. If you show up on commission and decide not to work, that's you, dumbass, who don't get paid. When you're on salary, you can fall asleep and you still get paid. That ain't doing nothing for you. You got to get out. You got to. That safety net, I feel like we got to take that out. The safety net that a lot of people are at, when you think you can pay salary and hourly, I'm going to tell you how I treat someone who wants to get paid salary and hourly. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm gonna t- and I tell them this too, you're going to get underpaid under hourly. I'm just telling you that right now. Salary, if you take a bet on yourself and go to commission and you get paid straight commission, the sky's the limit because you control that. But... Going back to it again, um, we used to get paid that that commission, and and the commission was something that we would come in, and I knew since I got paid commission that I would have to bust my ass regardless. And so we would come in, we would come in, we come in late. I would have a bottle, a cup of sangria, and when it was lunchtime, everyone else would go to lunch, and me and my wife would stay. Why? Well, because now everyone's on lunch. Who gets all the leads? And I'm giving y'all game right now. If y'all are on a sales floor, everyone goes to lunch at the same time. You fucking stay and tell the person you want to keep taking calls. Who's going to get all the leads? You. 
And so we would get all the leads. We would close all the deals, right? So everyone would come back for lunch. And then we would say, hey, we're going to lunch. We would go to lunch, and we wouldn't come back. But you couldn't tell us to come back. One, we're on commission. We're independent contractors. Two, we make you all the money. So as long as I walk out and I say, I made you $10,000 a day, you can't say nothing to me. And they did not. But I was disposable. The minute they smelt competition and I wasn't on their side producing for them, I was out. And a lot of you guys got to understand, you're just a number. And so I don't want to get on the kick of you have to quit your job, but understand, start doing something that you love, start doing something that you like, or better yet, do something that pays you. Because you're just a number. Anywhere that you go, if you don't control it, if you're not the owner, the boss, you're just a number. You want to know why you're just a number? Because it was, if my, my daughter's Mia, if it was between this guy and Mia, it would be, uh, be a sad part. And I love my workers. I'm going to do everything for my workers, but I can't take care of him. My responsibility is to take care of her. And so you got to realize that the owners don't even the owners of these companies, including myself, you don't have to be a bad guy to understand that if it comes down to it, it's the family. He's opening that business up to take care of family. And so you don't control not a damn thing when it comes to this person taking care of their family. And so I say that to say, what do you want to do? Luckily for me, I found my calling, which was sales, communication. I found my calling. And from that on, it started to open up. But what do you guys want to do? Uh, and, 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 and I don't, I, I don't want to get off on a tangent on the podcast, right? But I just got to ask that question for you guys. I mean, I'm going to talk about other businesses, but half you guys don't care about trucks. You don't know nothing about real estate, nor do you care about real estate. You don't even own a house. You barely can rent a house. And so talking about these things, if you're not interested into it, if you don't want to get better for yourself, what does it do you any justice? So again, you got to think about it. What do you want to do? Where do you want to be at life? For me, my only mindset was work my mom's job and I'm going to just take care of my family. The more I started to see, the more I started to understand. I encourage everyone to get out there, try new things. You know, if there was that, that opportunity, a lot of you guys are working jobs because it pays you more right now, but there's an opportunity that pays you less right now but has a better long-term gain. And it's actually what you like doing or love doing. And so I say this to say, when, when you guys are looking at, when I'm talking about my path, my path is my path. Everyone's path is different. I found my calling through some bad situations, but it, was, it ended up being great. For you, you don't have to go through that. You can spend time. One of the things that I do, um, if you guys go to, I think it's like, a, it's called Gallup's Strengths Test. Um, it's, it, it, talk, it, it, it gives you, I think, 35 strengths. You can do top five. You can do top 35. And it tells you who you are. It tells you about yourself. And it's so fucking accurate. It's like a 30-minute quiz because it asks you so much detailed questions. And when I look at it, I'm like, man. And it really breaks everything down. So if you was ever asked, my top five, I know one, uh, one of them is futuristic. <laughs> I'm always thinking about the future. And so there's, there's two things to it. I'm always thinking about the future. That's why I'm a good leader. I'm an innovator. Because I'm like, man, I can see something unraveling. I can see that that's a partnership waiting to happen. But the, the attention to details, the day-to-day, -day, uh, that's not me. And so it can seem to people that I'm always in a rush. I don't have enough time for them. And so that allows me to focus and say, hey, let me try to sit and, and love the one I'm with, the one person that's in front of me. Let me give them all of me instead of looking at my watch and looking at my, my phone and what is my next business move. I'm still working on that. 
But because of that strengths test, I can understand that about myself. A lot of people, especially our minority community, we don't grow up able to understand or express ourselves the way we should be. And so you have to search. Me and my wife, we just did, uh, I think it's called 23andMe. Why? Well, because all my life, when someone was asked, what am I? What do you think? Black, African-American. But I know I got more in me. But my mom and dad don't know that. So now I have to find that out, you know? All I did was dribble basketball. That was the that was the one extracurricular activity I did. No one talked to me and pushed me to continue to play the drums. What about art? What about music? What about dance? I'm just now listening to Deep House, listening to Afro beats. Why? Because I grew up hip-hop, R&B, rap. And so I encourage you guys, that Gallup strengths test, if you take that, you're going to have to pay some money, but it's an investment into learning who you are. Once you get those strengths, I want you to look at your top five. Look at the top five strengths. Those are what you're best at. Look at it, zone in on it, and continue to do that. Do it more. Do it better. Your bottom five, focus on that. Get better at it. Talk about it openly with everyone so they can hold you accountable. Get a better circle that is strong in that top five. The people that operate great with me are the opposite of me. I have a lot of energy. When something comes in front of me, I'm not going to really pay attention to the detail. I'm going to make the feeling. If it sounds good, I like it. I got a gut feeling. I'm good to go. I'm going to run with it first, and I'll worry about the consequences second. So the person that's great, my, my greatest business partners are my wife because we own the business, and my also partner in uh, marriage and raising kids, she's the opposite of me. She's the one who's going to slow it down, buddy. Let's look at this. Let's pay attention to that. I'm the one who wants to go, 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 go. My partner in the rental car company, Ron. Ron Jennings, shout out to you, Ron, man. Y'all got to check us out, man. It's holiday, it's holiday season. Holiday season, right? And we got your rental cars. We got Suburbans. We got Mazdas. We got a Lexus. I put my Lexus with the red guts is now available for y'all to rent. Merry Christmas. All of that, we got discounted cars. Don't go to Hertz. Don't go to what is a dollar thrifty. Don't go to none of them. We got you. And Hertz, they're not de- de- they're not delivering the, the car to you. We we deliver it to you. So I'm just letting y'all know. Shout out to my boy Ron. Ron is the opposite of me. Ron, while I'm saying let's go, 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 Ron's gonna say, slow it down. He wanna think about the numbers. He wanna review the numbers. I'm more so ready to go out, talk to people, get social. I get energy off of just hearing music. I just need music playing. I get energy off of that. Ron, quiet. But those are my best partners. Why? Because we're like yin, yin, yang. And so for you guys out there, I would say, too, if you're thinking about opening up that business, if you got a significant other, you know, use the help. Ask for some help. You're not going to be able to do it alone. Ask for some help. Take that Gallup strengths test. Find out who you are. Find out what your what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. Once you find out what your weaknesses are, get around people that those are their strengths. That's your circle. Start creating your circle. Those are things that I'm learning now. And if you guys can learn that now, I'm telling you, you know, the, your next couple of years of building your business or entrepreneurship, whatever you decide to do, is going to be so much easier. Even if you're not even building a business and you just want to get better at your current job or current position, just learning more about who you are, that's going to benefit you. Sales for me, open up the door for me. You can always learn sales. Everyone is always selling. Understand this. When you're talking about getting your raise, you're essentially selling because everyone is doing the same job as you, and there's guaranteed someone doing it better than you. But if your boss likes you and you do the job well, you're going to get the raise. So you got to learn how to sell essentially. So all these, again, 
you have to take an invested interest. And you can label it personal development, but, again, you have to want to get better. And that's been a trait for me uh, as being a leader, wanting to work hard. I've always wanted to get better. I've always looked in the mirror and and been able to say, hey, what have I fucked up on? You know, what have I fucked up on? Um, If y'all want to talk about the fuck-ups, let's talk about some of the fuck-ups, right? And so back in the day, uh, as I was young, um, and so I've never told people this story, right, These, these stories. But when I was young, you know, I've always had the spirit of entrepreneurship, but I did not know or I didn't have the, the mindset on where to turn it. I knew that I wanted money. I knew there was things that I couldn't afford, and I knew I wanted to get it, and I knew how to create systems to get it. It's just every system is not the right system. Every system not the right system. And so um, back in the day, I, I'll be honest, I, I, I was a thief, uh, and – it wasn't always, I wasn't always like that, but I remember going into a private school. There was a private school that I went to, and uh, I went from public school my first two years of high school, again, moving to Florida, going to public school the first two years here, then going to private school my junior year. That private school, you know, one, I went to a private school that they, they had a lot of money. It was Lake Mary Prep, and the kids there had a lot of money. I mean, you had, I think you had Ray, uh, Ray Lewis kids going at, at that school at that time. And so I'm going there. Everyone's driving nice cars. They got nice things. And I always saw people just leave their wallets, their bags out, and just just me naturally just, you know, not slowing down, being young, being stupid, and wanting to have more than others. Naturally, um, that was something that was enticing to me. And, and again, I, I, I can't sugarcoat it. I started to see stuff that was left out, and I just started to take. I started to take, and I and I didn't have a need for it. It wasn't that I needed it because my family always provided it for me, but it was that I, I didn't have – I was able to just get what I needed. And some of the things that I wanted, I wasn't able to get. While I'm in a school full of people, and, and my best friend, too, are able to get everything they want, the shoes that they want, and I, I, I don't have that opportunity. And so – and I think this is a thing, issue. When you talk about people, they, 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 they break it down, right? You're talking about the wealthy, the middle class, and then the poor, right? Most people, when they talk about coming out the trenches and making it, they have a great story because they were poor. They come from the projects, whatnot, streets. But I believe the opposite. I think if you're blue-collar sometimes, if you're born in that middle class sometimes, which my mom and dad always worked very hard, so they was always paid for the work they did. So we were always, we were fortunate to have, uh, like I told you, I was able to watch them sometimes, you don't have to go to Am Scott to rob Peter to pay Paul, but we were normally able to have those bills due. We weren't in the projects. We always lived in a decent, uh, you know, a decent area, nice area. Um, and so, but we were always that middle, low middle class. And so I think that's more of a, I think that's more of a, a, a challenge than even saying you're in the, you're in the trenches because when you're at the bottom, when you come from the streets, when you come from the trenches, the projects, whatever, there's no other way except to go up, Right. But when you're in the middle class, you don't know what your identity is. And so in the middle class, you're closer to the bottom middle class. So what are you identifying with? Y'all, and y- y'all listening too. If y'all in the bottom middle class, what are you identifying with? You're identifying with poor. And so I never had any idea of doing anything more than what my environment is. And naturally, my cliques in public school were African-Americans, people that come from my background or lower. And so that time going to Lake Mary Prep, it just opened my eyes 
not just you know obviously I said I was I, I was I started to steal a little bit in late May prep and because they just kept their shit out it, it wasn't a reason to do it it was wrong but it was just open in in public school no one just kept their stuff out like that no one even had money to take so that that was the reason but also I was going to parties and if you guys remember some of you guys may not be old enough to remember this but I don't know if you remember Richie Rich you go to Richie Rich house and he would have McDonald's in there he would have roller coasters. We didn't have that over here, but I would go there, and it was like, man, my first time saying, man, the garage is not attached to the house. That's a little bit weird for me. They got a golf cart and dirt and dirt bikes. This is the first time that the parents are not home, but there's a group of kids. They got a movie projector. This The, the kid, and I remember I went to a party. The kid shows me a rap video of someone, not a famous rapper, but someone who shot a rap video at the house. And I'm like, man. Mind you, I'm going to go back to an apartment right after this. And so from from j- just that that alone, going to that private school, you know, and just realizing, like, man, you know, I don't have the opportunities like others. And, and that's why I say, going back to it, uh, being in the middle class, I feel like is more of a, uh, uh, um, a challenge than most because you don't have an identity. And most of the time you're going to identify with a class lower than you. Was the closest class to you, which for me, we're in lower middle class, middle, lower middle class, we're going to identify with the poor. And so the opportunities that I was able to see, the people that I was around, um, you know, you don't get a chance to see and get enlightened and be able to understand really who you are. And so, again, I know I went off on a little bit tangent, but I do believe 100%. Everyone out there, you got to find out who you are. No, you're not just a mom. You're not just a dad. You're not just the person who works for this company. Who are you? Do you like art? Do you like tactical shooting? Do you like, um, 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 and I'm telling you stuff from me that I have to learn. This, And I'm going to give you some game from me. I thought all I, I liked was dribbling the basketball. Now what I say, I like shooting guns. I like, I told you, I'm Michael the Archangel. I believe in defense, protection. So I like shooting guns. So now what I'm looking for, I'm looking for tactical training where I can learn how to train just like the police do, just like the Army does. Why? That's what I like. I like going to paintballing. Um, I'm realizing I like Deep House. I never thought about listening to Deep House. I never thought about that. And all this is because now, in order for me to get better and take and continue to get to new levels, I have to figure out who I am. And it sounds so cliche, you know what I mean? But I, I digress on that, you know. Um, but I want to talk to you guys about the businesses now. The businesses that I am running, that I'm in charge of, that make me the money, that allow me to sit here on a Friday, paid, drinking some Migos without a care in the world, right? So, number one for me, my number one focus, I would say 97%, 98% of the time, this is my focus, is our freight brokerage, our freight agency. So, me and my wife, we have a small freight agency, all ran by virtual assistants. Virtual assistants, we call them VAs in the Philippines. And so what a freight, what our freight agency is, um, we work under the freight broker. What is a freight broker? Well, let's just say these coffee cups. These coffee cups could not get into the stores to be able to be purchased unless they were delivered to that location. And so wherever these coffee cups were made are not where they're sold. And so we're in charge of the transportation and logistics between getting this coffee cup from um, Publix or Dollar General, wherever the stores are. And so on a bigger, broader scale, um, we focus on mulch, manure, soil, lumber. Those are the commodities that we help 
navigate. And so uh, we'll have a customer or a shipper that says, hey, I have 30 pallets of these cups, and it needs to get to Delaware. It's picking up out of California. It needs to get to, let's just say, Orlando, Florida. Now, the person who makes these cups, what are they good at? Making the fucking cups. But they're not good at getting a truck, knowing what type of uh, truck needed to, uh, to deliver it, knowing the weather. They're not good at knowing the rate. That's why they call us. And so me and my wife, day in and day out, we move probably upwards of 50, 50 to 60 loads a week. And that's been our focus for the last year. Um, and, and as we talk more, as we get more, you know, maybe episode, you know, maybe episode three or four, we're going to talk about it. Uh, this changed my life. Um, but that right now is about 97, 98% of my time I focus on the freight agency. Um, and so the difference between a freight broker, as I explained, and a freight agent the freight broker is the one who has the licenses, the surety bonds, and is licensed to be a broker. The agent, which that's what I am, I work under the broker, and I have an agency. My agency is based out of the Philippines. They all they work virtual, and they're the ones who are doing the work for me now while I'm talking to you guys. And so that's one. The next one is going to be um, a, a financial coaching firm. We focus on debt settlement, uh, focus on credit card debt. That was the business that got me started, that turned the game for me, that changed the game. So when I said I got fired, me and my wife, that's what me and my wife were doing. We were focused on helping people get out of credit card debt. When I got fired, that's what I zoned in on, and I did that for a good three, four, five years straight um, before I got into my next venture. Um, and so that is more so a residual-based business. Uh, I've trained my younger brother how to do the business, and so he kind of took over that for me. Um, which he's going to be on this podcast because he got to talk to you about what he's doing. Because, of course, that business has made me a lot of money, and now it's making him a lot of money, and it's still paying me. Um, last is my rent-a-car company. I'm proud of this. I'm happy about this. It's a new venture that I've had. I started last year with my partner, Ron, that I was telling you about. We're up to, I think, 28, 28 29 cars. Um, and we got an assortment of cars, Suburbans, Lexus, Mazdas, um, um, smart cars. Um, we got it all. And we started the venture, again, I'm a leader. And so when everyone's going this way, I go the opposite. And that's been always my mentality. So I'm not a big believer of third-party platforms. What are third-party platforms? Amazon, Walmart, Airbnb, Turo. Those are all platforms that allow you to sell on their platform and they take a fee. Well, I'm not a big believer of that because they're going to change the game when you start making money. Just like that guy changed the pay scale, I don't like being controlled. So I partnered up with my guy Ron on the rent-a-car company because we knew that, hey, we're not just going to focus on Turo, but eventually we're going to be fully private. What that means is I'm not focused on Turo. I'm focused on competing and being better than Hertz in my area, right? And so that is awesome. We're running that. Um, we have 30, uh, 28 to 30 cars right now, um, majority on Turo. We do have some on private that's available to rent out private. And so those three businesses collectively are what you would call my earned income. Um, and that's what make me the money uh, to be able to um, show up and do the things that I'm doing now. Now, I'm not well off. I'm not the millionaire that I want to be just yet. With those three, I'm right at 300000 But, and, I, and I, I'm an open book. Like, I'm an open book. So I'm, I don't care if you tell me. I don't care if I tell you how much I'm making. The only reason why I care is if the government wants to know for tax time. All right, Uncle Sam? But um, just, 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 just bear with me, right? So those three businesses, I'm right at $300,000, right? Now, I didn't tell you about the side investments. Of course, that's earned income. 
this is the this is one of the, the shifts that I had to understand. These three businesses are what I do on a daily basis um, to make me money. I have to do some type of work, whether I have to hold a meeting, whether I have to put together a system, um, training. I have to do something to earn that income. But also, once I earn that income, a portion of it also um, fees my living expenses, but it also I invest that. So my investments right now are, of course, to exceed my earned income. The investments we'll talk about later. I don't want to get too detailed on it because that's a whole podcast. But because of the freight agency or brokerage, I've been able to partner with my mentor in that business and partner with him on other investments that right now have been giving me returns upwards of 50%. Now, the reason why I say that is because a lot of you guys got your money in crypto, got your money in stocks, real estate. Real estate is is still a a great source to park park your money, especially if you're holding it. But crypto and stocks so volatile, and even if you were to make money on it over the course of a 10, 20, 30-year time frame, you're only going to be at what, 10%, pushing 20%, maybe? And so you got to realize, one of the things that my mentor started teaching me is, hey, you know, I'm not going to beat the market. That's one thing. And so putting it in stocks and putting it in crypto, what I'm basically saying is I'm going to let those guys manage my money because I don't think I can manage it myself. My opinion. But I believe it's true. You got your money in crypto and stocks. I, I, my money is going into my businesses and other investments that I'm funding and I'm pushing. I'm not putting it in crypto and stocks. Why? Because I don't control that. So if I put it in there, I'm just basically saying, hey, I don't believe I can do more with it in my other endeavors than they can do it. So I'm trusting it with another man. And mind you, I'm a leader. I'm not going to let them control it. Now, I did put I did put 15K in crypto and I lost 10K. Never going to happen again, but hey. It was investment, so I could afford to lose it. Am I mad? Negative. At least I didn't have my money in FTX. I know that hurt for some of you. I'm sorry. (laughs) But going back to it, um, I'm just saying, don't put your money into those. If you have a viable business idea, your ideas and and your knowledge, your your, your, uh, intellect is more valuable and to let someone say, hey, I can you know, manage this for you and, and, and give you a return that you don't even get paid on a monthly basis. You get paid when? Whenever it hits. And you got to pull it to make money, right? And so just, just going back to it, I digress. The three, those are the three businesses. So um, I guess you could say a fourth, uh, and it gets confusing sometimes because, again, like I said, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've got a, couple, a lot of things going. But I also I have a, a, a wholesaling company that we also flip houses, but we've slowed down on that. We have actually closed the doors on that, and we have our last flip in Port Orange, like I was telling you. We have that last flip um, up, and it's about to be on market, I think, in the next two weeks. And then I'm done flipping houses unless I can get a great return on that house, on that property. I'm looking more so for strip malls. I'm looking for uh, for multifamily right now. And so um, that's, you know, I, I digress. Those are the four businesses that I have. I, I flip houses, wholesale. Uh, debt settlement company, more so geared towards uh, debt relief, getting people out of credit card debt. We have a freight broker slash freight agency, and um, we also have a rental car company. And so those four are really what uh, make up, you know, my income, make up all my income besides the investments that I do on the side. And so this podcast, we're going to focus on those four industries, but we're also going to interview and bring in some other uh, individuals that are in some different industries that are making some money too. Because now, once you get to a certain level of, of, of 
financial freedom, wealth, I guess if you want to call it, I'm, I'm still on a quest for wealth, but financial freedom, you start to be able to talk to other individuals that you come in contact with that are doing some dope shit, some better shit than you. And so once you got once you got one rollie, this costs 18K. And then, so this costs 18K, but I'm like, if I turn on my phone right now, I got the presidential. The presidential costs 25 to 30K, right? So I thought I was good when I got this. I'm like, cool. I didn't want to get, mind you, I'm a leader. Everyone gets bust downs. I want to collect them because I know they're raising value. I, I'm telling you, I don't, just, I don't just speak this shit. I'm a true leader. I, everyone buys bust downs. So the first watch I wanted to buy, I didn't want it to be a bust down. I didn't want it to be the gold presidential because everyone get that. I want it to be the most plain Jane watch that if you knew watches and Rolexes, you know it. I don't want no one who doesn't know it talking to me about it. I don't want, man, that's iced out. You don't know about it. You just see it's iced out. But someone who look at this and sees the GM2 Master 2 is discontinued. They don't make these watches anymore. I bought it at 16K. It's worth 20K right now. Not Actually, I bought it at 18K. It's worth 20K right now. I bought it this year, and it's already worth 2K more. And I bought it this year. I think I bought it like in May. And all I'm doing is rocking it on my wrist. And I bought it used. And so, again, you know, uh, going back to it, you know, when you get in a room with people that are doing dope shit, better shit than you, don't be fucking hate. Don't be a fucking hater. Don't be jealous. You know, look at that and get that, make that more fuel to your fire. The reason why I wanted to rock and roll is because my mentor was rock and rollies. My mentors, you know, the people that I want to be like, the people that I study. But then I walk in the room and I see, man, man, he got he got the presidential. That's the gold joint with the presidential, presidential brace, bracelet. Come on. But again, that opens up my mind to think a little bit bigger. And I guess, you know, guys, I just if anything that we can get out of this, like the podcast, my biggest thing is to challenge you guys to think bigger. I want to challenge you guys. When you look at me, I want you to look at me and be like, man, that guy did it. If he is doing it, he did it, I can do it. Because anyone can do it. Right now, I'm on the offensive. And when I say that, most people in life are on a defensive mentality. You want to save. You're waiting for a tax refund to buy something that if you're waiting for the tax refund, you probably shouldn't get it because you can't afford it. And so a defensive mindset, you know, you're in debt. You're trying to pay off debt. You're trying to pay bills. When do you ever sit down and get a chance to say, man, that's that's taken care of. Now I can think about, man, I just had a conversation with my wife uh, earlier today. And I was telling her on my, on my, uh, my I do a life plan. And so the end of the year is coming, so I'm doing another life plan. I was just telling her, I just don't want to keep putting them in, in, in sports. That's fun. But the same thing happened to me. I can't let it happen to them. I have the money and opportunity, and I'm still in the mindset like, oh, just sports. So you know what I said? They're going to have to play a sport, and they're going to have to be one art. What's one art? My son could do code ninjas. He could do, uh, he can do actual art class. They could do ballet. They can dance. They can do music. They can learn podcasts and what. At that age, too, I'm talking about six, five. And so I was just talking about that to my wife because I'm like, man, I want to give them as much. I want to expand their mind. And the only way to do that is let them see every fucking thing. Let them experience it. So when they go to Colombia, they're eating different foods. They're going, we're in Puerto Rico. They're on Carmelo Anthony's uh, court in Puerto Rico. They're looking at it. Why are they eating that? Why are they speaking like that? So they can see the culture. They get to see what they like, what they don't like. You only know what you like and don't like until you try something else. It's like the same thing with eating food. A lot of you guys got kids, right? Your kids like, oh, I don't want to try that. I don't want to try that. I want the nuggets. I don't want to try that. But then 
we make them try it, and they're like, my daughter just tried apple pie. Funniest thing. Put it in her mouth. She's like, put it on. She's like, picked up the piece that she put on the table and put it back in her mouth. Like, you liked it, right? She's like, I'm like, just try it, baby. And that's the thing. We just got to try. We got to travel. We got to get out there. We got to meet people. We got to invite people to come over. My wife and I were talking earlier this week. It's so fucking nervous to me. And I don't know why, because I naturally can talk, and I got the gift of gab, but when I get into a situation where it's a forced situation, when I say a forced situation, a networking event, I'm there to talk to you. Why? Because we're trying to do business at some point. So that's a forced situation for me. Uh, uh, an easy situation is a natural party. Of, uh, uh, we're at an Orlando Magic game. We start talking. What are we here for? We all like the Orlando Magic. So now that's a natural conversation. But when I'm here and I got a, that's nervousing to me. Or for my wife, now we're starting to get, the, the kids are starting to get asked for play dates. So mind you, I'm 32. I'm an African male. My wife is 27. She's from, uh, she's a Columbia. She grew up here in Orlando. She's having play dates with 45-year-old Oriental ladies, 50-year-old white women. And so it's nervousing because there are certain things that we do. And there are certain things that we don't do. There are certain things that we study and we don't study. And so because we haven't had the experiences to be able to expand our mind, you know, now it's like, you know, now we have to kind of, you know, watch and, and and watch and be able to. They telling me that I gotta wrap it up, man. I'm not gonna fucking wrap it up because I'm gonna come. I'm gonna fucking keep talking. But 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 I'm, but this is how it is, guys. This is how it is because I, I want y'all to understand this podcast. I'm gonna just go because I got so much knowledge and game and so much stuff that I messed up on. The stuff that I'm working on right now, I want to give it to you guys. Um, I want you guys to, they always say, um, if you got a good coach, you should always surpass the coach. I want you guys to surpass me. I want people, I want to create a community. I want to be able to, the deals that I'm working on now, I want to be able to give to you guys now, and we can work on it together because you guys are already 10 times better than me because of this game. Um, I'm going to leave you with a tip. Can I leave with a tip? I can leave with a tip, y'all. I can leave with a tip. They let me do it. They let me do it. They let me do it. I pay for this, so they let what you pay for. So if I have to pay for more minutes, I'm going to pay for more minutes, all right? I'm going to give y'all a tip. So one of the tips to kind of get you guys going and it's going to boost your confidence is going to be your credit. I know everyone talks about credit, but I used to I used to go into the bank, and I knew when I used to apply for stuff, you would be sitting there, like, literally. I, I call it, I always say this. My wife is going to be like, it's swollen. Your butt cheeks are tight. They're clenched together. You're like, that house. Why? Because your credit. And so I'm going to give you guys two tips real quick to improve your credit. Uh, report your rent and piggyback method. Reporting your rent. So let me give you the game real quick. I'm going to try to give it to you real quick. <laughs> Reporting your rent. Um, if you go to rent reporters and you go to rent reporters and you let them know, hey, listen, I want to report my rent. They're going to ask you for the information to the person that is your landlord. Mind you. So once you give them that name or number, they're going to want to call and verify it. So you have to give them the correct information for them to verify who that is. Now, they're not going to ask for any documents. They're just going to ask how much was that person paying and how long they stayed there. Understand again, they're going to ask you how long and how much were you paying. They don't need any physical documents. So they want to talk to the person who 
was the landlord, and they're going to ask some general questions. They're going to allow you to back. They're going to give you two years that they're going to say they can report it. But if you ask them to backdate it, I think they can do it up to maybe four or five years where they'll backdate it and say, hey, you've been paying it then. But the report actually on the payments and all that's going to start, I think, within two years. Don't quote me on that. Um, but the game is, again, um, I was living in a $10,000 house at some point, at some point. And so when you report that, those are easy trade lines. You can report your utilities. So if you're already doing that, um, if you're already paying your rent on time and reporting your utilities on time, please just go report it. It's free. Uh, well, it's not free. You got to pay for it. But just it, it's very cheap. I don't know the dollar amount. Don't quote me. I'm not, a, I'm not an advocate for rent reporters. There's other sites that you can report rent. But understand, just, just go do it. Uh, number two is going to be the piggyback method. Piggyback method, I call it an authorized user. For me, I was fortunate and blessed that my brother and sister, they learned from me. Again, because I, I, I would like to say I was a good coach. They learned from me running my credit in the mud that they actually had good credit. So all I had to do was say, hey, here's my name. Here's my social. Can you add me on your accounts as an authorized user? Authorized user. People, you can go tell your family members to add you on their credit cards. Mind you, they have to make sure they pay them on time and they have to be below. I would say everyone says 30%. Yes, but I would say below a 20% utilization level. So if they got $10,000 uh, and uh, uh, they have a $10,000 Chase credit card, I don't want to see no more than $2,000 of debt, and they have to pay it on time. If you know that person does that, ask them. Pay them a little something if you don't have it good with them. But I want it on there permanently. I don't want to have to pay every month, and I want it on there permanently. Know that they pay it on time. Uh, those two right there, I guarantee you, if you do that, and depending on the trade lines, you're going to have at least 20, 10 to 20 point boost just because of that. 10 to 20, 30 point boost just because of that. And the bigger the trade lines, the better, right? If you do those two methods along with seek out a credit repair company to help you clear out your credit, you can get anything you want. And then we'll start talking about the good stuff, all right? All right, well, we're out. It's Migo Mike. It's Friday. I'm out.